This podcast includes explicit language and situations. It is intended for adults 18 years of age and older. These thoughts and opinions are those not of any specific group, employer, or individual. Listener discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign with your hosts, Justin M. Rudin and Kelly Hanahan. All right, Justin, welcome back. We're at episode 10. So excited. Episode 10. I know, 10. I feel like 10 is an important milestone. When does our like season one actually end? Episode 426 <laughs> is the end of season one. Good thing we're talkers. Okay. I want a, I want a birthday cake with 10 candles on it, man. This is a feat. Isn't, isn't it true that like one in 10 podcasts make it to the 10th episode? Or did I just make that Nuh-uh. up? Nah, <laughs> did you just make that up? I totally I made that up. I believe you. I totally believe you. That's hey, if, you if, if I believe it, it sounds like the truth, you know, when you say it yeah. out loud. Yeah, well, if you deliver it with enough confidence, that's the, that's the key. <laughs> okay, so speaking of confidence, when I first started Spade and Archer, um, people would be like, I, I would say, I would say, people would come to me and they'd be like, well, we would think you should pay for some advertising in our magazine, which they, we get a phone call at least twice a day, somebody telling us advertising. You should advertise like at our pizza parlor on the menu because that's where all the real estate agents go and you're going to go out of business unless you buy advertising. And I would always say, well, we have a PR budget, but we don't really spend money on advertising. We do everything word of mouth, we do all through public relations. And I use those two terms very interchangeably, like I could do PR, and that means I wouldn't have to do advertising. And I think that a lot of small business owners have this idea that marketing, branding, PR, community relations, social media, drip campaigns, newsletters, and CRMs are all kind of the same thing, that they're all kind of like this thing that you do to get more business. Like equal tools in a toolkit. I think they think of it like, it's like, that's a hammer. Like anything you, you just, you just need one tool. You need PR marketing and advertising and that's the hammer. You, you could knock the nail. We think, we, we think they're all the same fucking thing. So I'm wondering if you could just kind of go through and just very quickly talk about the differences between each one of those things. Like what the sure. hell is branding? So branding is going to be what the end user is going to be experiencing in the look and the feel and the interaction with what it is you're putting out. So for example, brand management has everything to do with what someone will experience when they hit your website or your social media or the font in your documents or the color family. Or like your logo logo, font. You're like, when I first came and worked with you guys, I could get a feel for your brand, but it wasn't unified yet. So like one of the first things I did was put together a style guide. And a style guide is, hey, these are our colors. These are our fonts. Um, this is when we use this font and that font. And a brand, that's kind of like the more like nuts and bolts of a brand to make sure that you are visually pushing out consistency. Because you should be working in and around your brand consistency inside your business all the time. What does it feel like? We talk about this all the time. Our core values are part mm-hmm. of our brand as mm-hmm. well. So right. there's nuts and bolts, but there's also consistent things that we are choosing to be. We are choosing a font, but we are also choosing core values and things mm-hmm. that really, really matter to us and then other stuff that doesn't. So that's what our brand. So when people feel what our company feels like, they are yeah. feeling our 
brand. So it's a mind body experience. There's the, yeah. there's the mind part that's like core values, how we act, what we do, what we say, how we interact with people. And then there's the body, which is like the colors we use, the font we use, the logo we use, what our projects look like. Because hopefully when somebody walks into a Spade and Archer project, whether you're in LA, Portland or Seattle, you walk into a Spade and Archer project and you're like, oh, this is Spade and Archer. You can totally tell their, their brand yes. is present. And, yes. you know, if you're, if, I don't want to say if you're successful because maybe some people's brand is that every project is like completely new and it's a reinvention of the wheel every single time for us it's mm-hmm. a kit of parts and so okay so do you start with the brand like is that the beginning level i would say yes if you want to take advantage of other kinds of communications and other kinds of marketing your first step even as a solopreneur like even if you think if you're just a real solopreneur agent, i like it solopreneur. yeah you said yes. it i was i was a solopreneur for a long time and i just kellydollinger.com and it was just like what you landed on was i was trying to express what it is like, what it is like to meet me, have a communication with me, work with me, provide my services. Like you want to convey that everywhere that your company goes, whether it's in a piece of collateral or if it's your website or whatever, people could feel me. Now it took me a long time to figure out who I was in my business. And we talk about that on our podcast a lot as well as agents kind of figure out who they are in the process. So your brand can change and evolve. Of course they do. We see this all the time. Pepsi and Coke have evolved. These brands we grew up with look and feel different because they are changing with the times and that's okay as well. Identifying a brand as yourself is really difficult because you are inside your own body. And so to identify like, here's what I am, here's what my brand is, I think is even more difficult than creating a beast and being like this beast, this is the brand's beast because you can kind of work on it from the outside. It's a lot easier to implement what that's going to look like. I can always tell how long a client has been with us because if they refer to us as, oh, call Justin, that's somebody who's been with us for like nine or 10 years. Because in the beginning, I did everything. I was all of it. If somebody says, oh, you need to call Chad, that's like somebody who started three or four years ago with us because he's the guy who is like now in charge of operations, but he started running yeah. Seattle four years ago. Now when people just say call Spade and Archer because you, you know, it's just all of them, they're all one thing. Yes. I know that's like the last two years. That's since you got here because the brand yeah. Spade and Archer has become so much more powerful than any one of the individuals that's in it. I think mean, for real estate agents, their brand inevitably ends up a lot of times just being them. It's you. It's, it's you know, Jane Doe. You are the brand. So then now we've got our brand. We're going to come back and polish it up every once in a while. But what's the next step? Is it marketing? Is it PR? Is it advertising? Like, are they all working together? So I would say the next step would be marketing. And marketing and advertising kind of are in the same boat. I do have a uh, bachelor's and a master's in public relations. So I've been in this world. I've done this in different, in many different ways, but it's still philosophical. You know, so this is just, this is my, my take. To me, advertising and marketing is very promotion heavy, meaning we are doing very intentional things to get messaging out about exactly what we're doing to serve X demographic with X service. Product. It is very much like proactive. It's very creative. It's where can we put our messaging? Where can we be? I love marketing exercises because it's a, it's a more about figuring out who you best serve, how to best serve them. So they think that you are the most, you're the best thing since sliced bread. What objections do they come to the table with? Like their fears, their concerns. And how do you speak to that in a really exciting way inside your brand? So it's more like the written content, the messaging, the strategy. I mean, like our brand is one thing. Our brand is black, white, simple, clear, classic, 
professional. It is not edgy. It is not trendy, right? So we very clearly know what we are not, which is very important in a brand as well. But we also communicate through our marketing and through our advertising very similarly. We have very consistent talking points. You know, what What are we here to talk about? We are here to talk about how we have guaranteed home staging, which is a pay it close option. And this is why it's no risk. We, our design principles are aspirational, obtainable. We have a touchless installation process. Like this is the stuff that me as a marketer, I have memorized and will have work dreams about and because I say the same things the yeah. all the time. Because whenever it comes to writing a piece of collateral, whether it's writing a new contact or lead in an email or putting together a social media post or writing content on our website or putting a blog together. These are the things you constantly want to be your go-to messaging because if it's all over the damn place, people can't figure out what it is you do. But if we are very clear and consistent about what we are promoting, Mm -hmm. what we are telling people we do best and then who we serve best as well. I would say your marketing pieces... And your advertising pieces are very promotional and very communicative about what it is you actually do. Okay, so if your brand is your toolbox, then marketing and PR and advertising are tools in that toolbox. And let's say marketing is like a drill and your messaging is the different bits that you can change in and out of the drill. So like, yeah, so I would say advertising and marketing are in and around there, right? These okay. these are like, but public relations, I would say I would put even one step apart and I'll, I'll define what I think that means more. But yes, I think that your brand and your talking points and the way you talk to people and and all of that becomes your go-to toolbox and then the way you communicate it, the actual, like the the tools you're using, like for us, like for example, TikTok, we're not on TikTok right now. Right. We're not on TikTok right now because it's not really our people. It's not that it's not that I couldn't come up with a TikTok channel. We could do it. But 16 year olds don't buy houses. Exactly. They are not (laughs) our people. And the figure the way you figure out your people, what you're communicating and where to find them is your refined marketing exercises. I do something called an ideal client avatar exercise. I've done it with our people. Knowing who your ideal client avatar is, which is like the people that you're freaking obsessed with working with and they're freaking obsessed with working with you and the price point's right. They don't complain. They love it. They like worship at the altar of our company. And you know, this is universal for all companies. I'm just saying, using us as an example. It just means that your marketing is a match with the people that you want to serve. And that's the goal for any company, especially a small one. And our clients love TikTok. They've seen it on Instagram all the time. Sure. Is TikTok an app? Like, can you have that on your phone? Like, (laughs) I don't even know. You can. It's an app. It's an app. It's an app. But it gets forwarded onto Instagram and then it gets forwarded onto Facebook. And Generation X and boomers know about TikTok, number one, because their kids love it and because they see it on Facebook and Instagram, not because they're actually on and creating TikToks. Well, they're not using it for business. Who doesn't love seeing grandmas curse and sing at rap songs? Like everyone loves that. That's amazing. Hello. But I'm not yes. going there during my work day. I'm not going there for anything other than like killing time. Yeah. And that's just yeah. where that app is at the moment. Instagram, that's kind of what it used to be. And it evolved into an amazing business tool, which is why we're all on Instagram now. These things like ebb and flow and change, but your brand should be somewhat cemented. You know, your, your brand is not finicky. Your brand is what grounds all 
of your communication strategy, your marketing strategy, your advertising strategy, your PR, all of that. Your brand is what grounds you. So we can easily say TikTok is not our brand right now. What's the difference between an email list and a CRM? So these are two additional, I would, I would put this under a umbrella of digital strategy. Your email is not social media and your CRM is not social media. These are just digital tools that help automate your business. I have this conversation all the time. Social media is great. I could really make our whole life be about getting more Instagram followers, but they could be junk followers or people in states we don't serve or just people who aren't even in real estate. The goal of social media isn't just to get a million followers. It is to speak specifically to people that need the service we provide and are a great match for our clientele. However, social media is still a third party platform, meaning at any time, and this occurs often, um, the social media tool can change its algorithm and mm-hmm. it completely changes who is seeing your content when. So, and it's probably going to change so that you have to pay for the people you want to see your content, right? Eventually, yes. Like <laughs> back in the day, Facebook business pages were great. Mm-hmm. Now, the way they change the algorithm, only three to four percent of people following a Facebook business page will see that content organically, which means it is really a pay to play platform at this point. Right. I mean, it's nice because if someone has the thought to go look you up, on Facebook, they will find you. Right, but they're not gonna see you in their feed. They're not gonna see you in your feed, right. That's not what Facebook's trying to do with that platform. Right. So, Unless I pay for it. If I pay for it. Unless you pay for advertising. But it's five bucks a day. That's a lot over the course of a year. It's five bucks a day. It's 20 bucks a day. It's a hundred bucks yeah. a day. To- totally depends on what you're selling, how hard it is to convert a lead, all of that. And I've built a, I built a very successful business using Facebook ads. Mm-hmm. It's very effective, but it doesn't work for all companies and it doesn't work for all kinds of messaging. The higher ticket item you're selling, um, the rougher a conversion is. And it's very difficult to justify that kind of um, advertising investment. Anyway. Okay, so let's move away from that social media platform to this email list versus CRM yep. thing. Your social media, again, belongs to other people and things can change. And you don't actually own any of that content. When you get someone's email address, mm-hmm. now you own that. And so that's why email is always king. And no matter what comes out, the Snapchats, the TikToks, the Facebook, whatever is coming out all the time and changing, email is still king because you are still communicating person to person. You know they are receiving it. I can't tell you they're going to read it and I can't tell you they're going to click on it, but they're going to get it. Email is always going to be your first priority. So be collecting emails in an ethical way. You can't just dump emails into your email management system. We use MailChimp. It's just affordable and great for the size of company that we are. We have about Right, but it could 000. be Constant Contact or Emma or any one of those other services, right? Aweber. There's about, there's a good 10 solid options. Mm-hmm. Um, and now as we're all moving and doing so much more digital work, they're launching bigger platforms that are going to to consolidate a lot of these tools. So you might have a tool available to you as a real estate agent that your company is providing to you that will auto post on social media for you and you can track your leads in your business and you can send mass emails. I mean, maybe that exists, but they're all doing very different things. So your your social media is daily content, what's going on, your email is keeping a list, a running list of people that you can reach out to with very specific content 
of course you can target it. Of course you can change it by location. If you if you're running multiple um, initiatives in different locations, that's what we do. We have Seattle, Portland, and Los Angeles. So we send different newsletters to those people. You can descend when to send it, all those things. One of our favorite ways to use our email is a drip campaign. And a drip campaign, everyone's on one. Everyone's on one all the time. If you've ever ordered something from anywhere on the internet, chances are you were added to a drip campaign. You get a like a welcome to so-and-so's Susie's Bakery. Thank you for buying right. a birthday cake. And then a couple of days later, you're going to hear from them again. This is content that was pre-written. And as soon as you get added to that list, it is a trigger um, to send you those communications in a specific way. So for us, we used to have these really amazing opportunities called consults where we would meet person to person pre-COVID and talk to people one-on-one face-to-face about the great things we do and be able to talk through things with them and whatever. Well, that went out the window. So in comes the um, integration of digital into our sales process, which now we get to do digitally. And we've actually gotten a lot of really great feedback. I think people are really learning, um, especially in real estate, which is such a belly to belly business, but they're learning to uh, really adopt more digital communications. COVID has been a Kickstarter for that in that if you like, we were very much like a hug and kiss kind of company. We were did everything in person. And I think a lot of real estate agents are like that too, where it's based on their personal relationships. And really we don't have that privilege right now. And so it's really putting this massive boost on electric communications. Right now, we are absolutely, we are so thrilled that email has definitely kept us kicking through all of COVID, kept us busy, and kept us, more importantly, just constantly informing and educating our clients about what our process is, especially as things change. We introduced instant pricing. That's a big change, not just for our company, but industry-wide. I mean, most industries, most companies, home staging companies don't have such a thing. We introduced a lot of change around our processes with COVID and the touchless installation and all that. So it's a great way to do change communications, um, which means, hey, we know you're used to engaging with us in one way, but we're switching things up and here's how to do it now. Um, This is how we're different from other companies is how we're different from other, you know, home stagers or whatever. So that's the the crux of business, right? Is that like, you know, I got into this business because I loved moving around people's furniture and real estate agents got into the business because I loved helping people because they love houses and inevitably, with every business, it ends up being that you uh, end up working in financial spreadsheets and P&Ls and balance sheets and doing marketing and PR and uh, branding. And you end up not, I don't, I don't move furniture at all anymore. I haven't touched the couch in six months. <laughs> like right. my entire job is to do all this stuff around home staging, which I still love. I'm surprised actually how much I love business. But in every business, that's what it comes down to is that we're all doing the same exact things, trying to get these things put together. And we actually have a really fantastic guest today. Shelly Ann with Plum Bob Marketing is this wizard of doing PR, marketing, advertising, and sales for really, really big developments. So not just one single house, but like big groups of houses. Do you want to go talk to her real quick? Yeah, I can't wait to pull apart exactly what she does. So let's go meet her. This is the the rare instance where I think you actually know Shelly Ann better than I do, right? Well, we got together and um, we talked about it's it's difficult to meet other people for the exact reason you ask these questions in this segment. It is nice to get together with somebody else in marketing in real estate because real estate agents are not full time marketers. So right. we just got together and just had a girl crush on each other, and we're just like, "What do you do? What do you do?" So I love it. Yeah. Let's go talk to her. Okay. So, 
Justin, we have someone awesome with us today who we met in the most amazing and modern way, a good old fashioned Google search. And now she's been in our sphere and in our business and she's been such a joy to get to know. And as soon as I got to know her, I was like, we need to have her on the podcast. So I'd love to welcome um, Shelly and Couch and she's the founding principal of Palm Bob. And thank you so much for being with us, Shelly. Thank you. I'm so glad I swiped right, left. <laughs> what did I do? I think it's, I think it's right is right is right. In gay culture, we don't have swipe right and swipe left because everyone's a yes. Like when I have sex, yes. So I got to know Shelly a little bit over the phone and we talked about she's a marketer, I'm a marketer. Shelly, your career path is so fantastically interesting. I always tell people like when they come on the show that I'm newer to real estate. Um, this has been, I've learned a ton about real estate being in this job as a marketer in our uh, home staging business with Spade Nurture. But I love your story. I love the different things you've done because you just gotten to tell. So can you tell us a little bit about what you have done and then what ended you here in the world of real estate and specifically in LA? Absolutely. Well, let's start with the funny accent. Um, I am, I wish I could say I'm a Kiwi, but I'm not that sexy. Um, I'm an Australian, so a Commonwealth mongrel, and I've been here for almost 25 years. And my background is actually in media and uh, luxury fashion. Quite a jump to real estate, but I'll take you on the meandering path. So I came here with People magazine, and I ran their LA bureau uh, and London and New York bureaus for a couple of years, and uh, then jumped to the dark side of PR and and event production, had my own firm. And we did all the Oscar parties for Lord of the Rings and Narnia and King Kong. We did oh a lot of gosh. fashion consultancy. We brought out some labels, which you would be familiar with. Ted Baker, Jenny oh, Packham, yeah. Seth and Bide. We rep Dolce Gabbana, Chloe, ton of women's apparel and some men's apparel. So was doing that for a time, then accidentally created the world's first sample sale concept. And that was a pop-up designer sample sale that we rolled out in uh, around uh, globally so we did that LA New York San Fran Chicago London Dublin Dallas and that was just excuse to party with and sell clothes 80% off <laughs> we would have these you know bring six eight hundred designers together under one roof for three days and we would have two three thousand women and men rolling through and offering discounted clothing 80% off and of course we had a bar because everything fits Obviously. after three drinks did that for a few years sort of scaled these two businesses and and sold them took some time off lived in Egypt for a bit lived in New Zealand then back to Australia started flipping houses investing in my own uh, project which uh, brought me to uh, the world of real estate then helped out a friend who's a developer with branding and bringing a product to market because he couldn't find a few elements and so I helped him out with it and then thought okay there's a need here for a one-stop shop and a solution that's um, transparent, cost-effective, that it gives um, a business owner an insight and a dashboard into what's going on, that it's easy. And that it's, so it's PR marketing, content building, sorry, community building, and it's advertising all under the one roof. Lots of fun. Fantastic. I love it. You are not a real estate agent. 
And I think you may be the first person on this podcast that's not a real estate agent, but you are this like really interesting real estate agent adjacent. Adjacent. I did the study. I Mm. did all the exams. I got right to the final. Sorry, I did all the modules, got right to the final exam and then didn't follow through. I actually thought it'd be a strategic move to say I could position myself and talk to people and say, I'm actually not an agent. I'm coming from a completely different perspective here and a different lens and a different filter decided early on that it was better to just focus very cleanly and clearly on what I do well, which is content, community, commerce, and let the sexy realtors weave their magic and partner with them instead. So you're working with builders, people that are building like multiple unit projects. And so they all know what a plumb bob is, but I don't (laughs) think that's a, is it like an Australian word? It's a Twinkie Wonka. (laughs) Of course it is. (laughs) So for our audience, what the fuck is a plumb bob? This is samples of Vegemite with every key. <laughs> That's the initiation. Uh-huh. We don't eat yep. peanut butter here. Plum Bob, I just love saying the names that for a yeah. start. It's just it's like the word oblong. Plum Bob. It's something with O's and B's on. Plum Bob is an actual builder tool. Yes, it's the uh, it was first invented by those uh, fabulous Egyptians back in the day, and it's literally a piece of string with a weighted uh, brass end. And it tells you the true vertical line. So it's a spirit level. It's the original spirit level. So, it, but it only goes vertical. Um, I think they're still used in construction they today. Are. Aren't they they yeah. absolutely are. You can go to Home Depot and buy a plumb bob, and they're almost a very elegant looking. They're almost like jewelry. I call them construction jewelry. If mm-hmm. I was to do merch, I'd probably do some plumb bob tip tassels. Where's my plumb bob? Plumb bob. It's kind of a good litmus. Like if your customer doesn't know what a plumb bob is, they're probably not your customer. That's exactly our test. So if someone asks me and they say, what's a plumb bob, then you're not my client. Uh, We called it that for the reason um, that it would resonate with builders. My goal is to is to be um, sort of the builder whisperer, sit with them and help unpack their vision, unlock all that value, and then both hold their feet to the fire and keep fidelity to their vision as we move through the process. Because you guys as realtors, you know, working in this industry, you know, the the big gnarly um, black dog of costs start to come in right at the end and marketing budgets and PR budgets always get squeezed right at the end. It's like, guys, let's not, you know, compromise that vision when we finally get to the to the, the, the sales end. And so you're marketing and PR and advertising and sales all kind of in a one-stop shop all together. So you're doing like the websites and the whole community feel and all of that. And that, I don't think that I, when you found us, you're telling me what you did. And I was like, is this lady for like, do, do people actually exist like this? And we're like, and you need one of us. You're like, yeah, I need a homestager. I'm like, and you don't have a homestager? Like, bitch, I've been doing this for five days. <laughs> like, I literally started, I, you started what, in like in August or something? Two like, weeks ago, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She's already doing podcasts. It's fantastic. I know, right? Exactly. (laughs) Well, I've been doing it, editing the work as a consultant for almost two years. I took a measured approach and thought, okay, I'll start doing the work and then in doing the work, understand if there is capacity, if there is a, you know, if I'm needed or I'm just annoying people with my questions and and whether I should just stay in my own sandpit and build my own developments. But it's, you know, again, in talking to other developers and they're like, can you help me here? Come over here. And it's sort of, it all just happened by referral and which is obviously the best way. 
And it's not what a builder is passionate about. A builder is passionate about building. They don't want to do this marketing crap. They don't want to do any of this, right? I mean, it's why we have Kellyanne, because our company is a home staging company. We don't do marketing, PR, and advertising, and sales. And that's what Kelly does. So that's why she's here. Yeah. And also, you know, there's somebody who says you're just staying in your lane. But then the lane, you know, all those assets you build early on, if you do them well and you communicate them well, that's the DNA of the project. That's the smartest thing you can do at the onset of any project, whether it's, you know, real estate or. Yes, absolutely. Right at the start, right at the start and Mm -hmm. build out that branding suite and all those visual Mm -hmm. touchstones and the verbiage and the the Mm -hmm. vernacular and the messaging and just have all that as a toolkit, a literal toolkit that then infuses every print or electronic uh, touch point. It just, it makes it easier when people know that this is this is our boilerplate this is how we describe our project whether it's on a facebook page or on a banner or on a, a buzz buzz home page or everyone is clearly it's clearly communicated and that's when yeah. sort of stuff ups happen when and just from people don't know or it's not clearly communicated that's a different to different to being regimented and over engineered it's just keep it simple who what when we're how i that's the, the journal training in me honestly each time is just who what when we're how not how and why absolutely so my favorite thing about what it is you do is similar to us which is you are here to sell shit and tell a really damn good story and we do that one house at a time one property at a time so when we walk into a house we're telling the story what this house can do for the right audience but you are doing this with multiple units at a time so what is the key for you to tell the story of a community and multiple properties and how does that end up rolled out? You just told us a little bit what happens on the front end. But as you go through and tell the story, what happens for these communities? The process is the same, but the story is always different. And the, the little key here is empathy and understanding that this is a home. For every one of these buyers, every buyer is different. And every mm-hmm. home, even though it may be built similarly, has got a different view at the front door or the back door or it may have a different rooftop deck. deck. There's something different about every home. And it recognizing that and then it's communicating it without being too salesy. We have a saying, more storytelling, less selling. Be a resource, be a value. You know, how am I exciting or inspiring folk or how am I contributing to their journey here? Not just, obviously it comes down to pricing as well. It's the key filter here. It Maybe your buyer has a couple of different choices and the one thing that pulls them over the line is learning about the community that the, the homes are built in and learning about that the school next door is actually a dual language immersion pro, um, you know, or a robotics champion there or learning that they have the world's best croissant. But that granular colour and that describe living, you know, you actually sit there and go, how does it feel to live here? Where am I going to get my pint of milk? Where am I going to go out and walk my dog every morning and night? What does a Thursday look like living yes. here? I was going to say, you're telling people how they're going to feel in this space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which is so powerful. So when you get on a phone call, when I get on a phone call with somebody, I'm always like very quick to figure out this is the type of person this is. They're an energy vampire or uh, this person's going to a complete waste of time or is the, are they drunk? When I talked <laughs> to you, my immediate connection with you was this person is a connector. 
And I was so excited to talk to you because we don't have that person for our company in LA. And we have tons of those people in Portland and Seattle, but we didn't have our really good connector in LA. And when I talked to you and I was like, this is our person, this is our match. And so I would just love to know like, what is your favorite trick or like process for being a connector, a networker? What do you love? How do you figure out who you're gonna match up with the next person? I quickly learned early on in life that the more you share, the more you get back. One of my key marketing tools is a digital sales deck we put together. And on there, I have a team at the back and it's not just the realtors because they tend to get the spotlight the whole time. They're like the celebrities when you're doing your celebrity dressing. The realtors are on there, but make sure escrow and title are on there. Make sure your superintendent's on there. Any financial partners, because they're all part of the team. And then giving them visibility and giving them, you know, and there might be activations within that sales deck that you can say, click here to qualify or look at this video. That all raises awareness and the rising tide floats all boats. You can work together on one project, but how you conduct yourself as a professional and you know encouraging sharing of assets and resources that's how you connect with folk it's not like some proprietary process you know we're selling homes we've been doing that a long time it's how you do it and who you are and i love that whole idea like the more you give the more you get back and so you know matching somebody else I, we had a, a client call yesterday and they were like hey i just got a newsletter from you guys and i want to know like how did you collect up all those emails and i was like well 10 years we've been you know collecting emails and mm -hmm. he's like well how could i do that and i was like well you know call your escrow agent they probably have a collection of emails they could help you out with and i was like hey do you need any help with home staging he's like no my wife a homestager. Okay. Okay. Well, maybe it will come back to me that I've been nice to you someday. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You just never know. You never know. We'll see it's, what happens. Yeah. See what happens. Exactly. And like we keep joking that like LA is our third child that we don't quite understand yet um, because we are <laughs> figuring out who our people are and, you know, what kind of agents we serve best. We know our people in Portland and Seattle really well in and out. Justin's been building this business for 10 years. So that's easy. But Southern California is just a whole different animal for us. And I know that it sounds like you've been in the culture of LA for a long time. So I'm sure a lot of it isn't surprising. You're just new to real estate in LA. But like, what do you, what, what makes LA and Southern California different than any other place in the world? So LA is more like five or six cities within one city. And it's sort of like having five or six children. You know, I mean, yeah, single parents, a single parent yes. with five or six children, you know, yeah, right. and they argue and they're territorial and they won't share. Um, and you've got this breezy, you know, beach babes, Santa Monica, you know, with the cutoff shorts and the attitude. And then you come into, you know, Beverly Hills is another culturally another world away and um but i think tying this all in well, one our weather is so ridiculously gorgeous all the time there's that that metronome where you don't especially now in construction and new home construction where you're you're not hitting these horrible delays due to whether it's usually lawdp and inspectors are the crux of our delay so it's usually red tape it's not weather is what I'm saying. But California too, you have, especially as I'm finding in this industry, there's a lot of cowboys. You know, you can get a lot uh, done here very quickly and cost effectively without a lot of oversight. For example, in Australia, if you're putting up a website, you have to have it registered. You have to have the tax office IDs. You have to have that 
before you even claim a website. So there's that, none of that fake it till you make it. That's an LA thing. When you called us, you started going through the process. <laughs> yes. And we sat down and had a, a meeting with your builder. And both of you asked me at the end of the conversation, you asked me like five times, you're like, is it really just this easy? Like, is shouldn't there be some more hoops to jump through? And I was like, no, no, this is it. Just sign the contract and we'll do it and we'll be done. It'd be great. If you don't like it, we'll change it. Both of you were like, what the fuck? Because <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think that maybe in LA, it's really easy to fake it till you make it. And so it's hard like to see through like, is it, are they just a pretty website or are they actually going to do what they said they're going to do? And so you tell me, was it as easy as we thought, as you said it was oh, going to be? Oh my God. Um, can you see me? I'm kneeling at the shrine of Spade and Archer and Aaron. Aaron is my goddess. Honestly, I was telling Justin, I walked in, um, I actually took my husband over because I thought I was so nervous because it was, it was so seamless and easy. And I walked in and extremely trepidatious and I looked around and I literally burst into tears. And my husband said, it looks like someone actually lives here, but he's Australian. This is a really bad Australian Aussie bloke accent here. He's like, mate, you really kicked it out of the park. It looks like someone actually lives here. This is the best (laughs) one yet. like, yes. (laughs) Yay. And he pointed out the tennis rackets Uh, on the wall, the radios on the, you know, the books, drinking glasses. And then there was a story in every room, you know, the orange palettes, the autumnal thing. And then the kids' room, it was pink, but it was a, you know what? It was an Australian pink. A lot of Australian men wear pink. And Mm -hmm. it's, you know, you don't often see it in America. So again, my husband was like, like dusty rose. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. He went, it's almost a a masculine pink. Yeah. It's a masculine pink. It was perfect. It was perfect. But yeah, to that point where you're going, you're waiting for the other shoe to drop. Can someone be, that's how I model our business. I'm always looking at ways to productize or templatize or, you know, efficiencies, but not at the expense of the relationship or creativity. Then again, you you don't want everything so custom that it just, you're losing money on the deal or you're reinventing. Exactly. So with you guys, it was like, this is too easy because I I had 15 bids. 15 right. other stages. We won and- out of 15. T- that, I didn't know that. I thought <laughs> yeah. we were the only one you were talking to. That's fantastic. We do have to give a shout out. Uh, Shelly, and you mentioned Aaron. You said you, you praised at the, at the altar of Aaron. Aaron is our, is our Los Angeles director. She actually started in our Portland office, transferred to Seattle for training, and then moved to LA to open that office. So, I mean, this chick is dedicated. She is spade and yeah. archer through and through. And I didn't realize this. She got there, bless her, but the landscaping wasn't done. I thought it might not have been done usually you'd hear you get a text back you know the landscape is not done my shoes are dirty and I got to the site she'd set up instead of letting me know what the problem was she found a solution she'd put all the patio furniture and and dining outdoor dining setting in the garage with the cutest little map of how to set it up it was like the furniture fairy had been there and she was like this is where it goes this far up from the wall you know and she taked it down so no knucklehead superintendent and then you know, it was yeah. going to blow away. Yeah, we had a meeting about how we were going to tackle that. Like, okay, how should we do this? All right, just can you, there's the room in the garage. Yes, there's ah. room in the garage. All right, let's do it. Shellyanne, every person has a voice in their head that says you're not good enough. Your way is wrong. Nobody's going to hire you. Nobody's going to want you. You've made enough changes, enough vaults in your life very bravely with very little fear and lots of risk. How do you respond to that voice? How do you talk to that voice that's back there? So I joked with you earlier. I said, whiskey i'm gonna add tequila to that too (laughs) maybe some weed (laughs) but it's legal it's legal it's legal now Uh, 
no, no, seriously, even before this podcast, I've never done a podcast. This is my first. You know, I've annoyed Kelly with like, how can we get optimum audio? And should I put the cushions here? And, you know, I think it <laughs> it comes from anytime you're embarking on something new, you're always assuming that someone's gone before and, and there's a, a way of doing this that people expect. And I think it's a fear of just not wanting to waste someone's time. I don't want you guys to, you're giving me an hour of your time and I don't want to fuck it up, basically. So, <laughs> you know. You're doing good so far. You're doing good. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> but, yeah, and honestly, you know, yoga helps. Breathing, I think self-care, especially in this time when you're just physically feeling compacted and, you know, a lot of your ways of working are quite different and you're you're at home a lot more with beloved family who simultaneously drive you mad. It's just being able to navigate that and actually be honest about when you're starting to feel a little wobbly and, uh, yeah, a lot of, a lot of breathing. I actually haven't been drinking for about eight months now. I had to give it up during COVID. I just found that I, when I drank at home, I just felt crappy, crappy. And so I replaced uh, drinking with exercise, which isn't nearly yes. as much fun, but I feel a lot better. <laughs> so you said LA is kind of like has six different kids, six different areas that are very, very different. Here, Portland and Seattle for us are known markets are alike in that they're Pacific Northwest, but still pretty different. Portland specifically is just, you know how like liberal and progressive it is. And so it's, it's, it's a little bit more tricky to thread that needle when it comes to a successful business or anything like that. And I know that you have to at some point with these communities have to kind of straddle new construction as it's been demonized in communities and you have to do a lot of communication to smooth things over and like communicate what the value is and like what your even though it's like your bread and butter but still prioritizing like environmentalism community awareness letting you people know that you are you know you are here to be a part of the community and not just to squash your property on top of it so how do you manage that because that's so much more than just selling a single unit a single home a single story the first three projects i ever did were all in northeast la so silver lake and atwater village and uh, where a smaller single family constructions are just strife they're to use your d word they're demonized here i think there's some there's always a question about the aesthetics they my husband calls them the iphone homes because they, they they can be a little challenging sometimes with the design efficiency but where i approached this was having lived here for 20 years first and raised children here and understand the community is then understanding more about these projects and how they actually are a solution for our density problem our homes not our homelessness problem now of scarcity of of homes problem sustainability questions energy efficiency first home buyer scarcity i think it was i saw an opportunity to bridge that gap between what people thought smaller subdivision was and versus how it actually could benefit the community okay. right down to rate you know you've got 10 12 new families moving in and you know they're going to be going to the public school and if they don't their rates will still be supporting our local public school back to our earlier conversation it's understanding well if you live here you can walk to proof bakery or you can walk your kids to school or and having a wider conversation than just construction improving density and walk scores within neighborhoods and getting us out of our cars and especially in la cars are such a huge issue exactly and that's really been brought into focus with this pandemic too and so i'm seeing a lot more people biking and a lot more people walking around and because they're at home and they're they're out out and looking up at their communities so yeah it's always an interesting conversation because especially 
because I was be, and am still heavily involved in my community, the neighborhood council, education committee, nonprofit. Uh, I have a nonprofit called Bake America Great, and we raise funds for progressive causes through bake sales. We raised a couple hundred thousand last year. So, and we have mm. and public education is a big uh, focus as well. So, because I've already been in that arena, for me to switch gears and people to learn what I do, and they say. You work with developers? It does, it's a quizzical sort of disconnect. I said, well, actually, it's not. Let's have a talk about that five-bedroom home, you know, that was an eyesore that, that we've knocked down, and we've actually put up 10 homes now and welcoming 10 new families into right, the neighborhood. Right. So, Trixie Mattel is a drag queen who lives in Los Angeles, and she was saying on a, on a podcast she did yesterday that she rides her bike everywhere, and everybody just assumes that she has a DUI, <laughs> and so she can't drive. <laughs> That is so LA because like, I mean, <gasps> everywhere you go, you get in a car and you drive there. You, you don't do. walk anywhere. Yeah. And so to see somebody on a bicycle is like you're exercising or you have a DUI and that's the only reason why you do that. Tell us True. about your worst day in real estate. Like what was the day you were just like, why the fuck am I doing this? The worst day ended up being one of the better days because it actually was a perfect example of sort of why you need crisis PR or why you need a marketing slash PR under the same roof because mm -hmm. the response time needed to be so quick to minimize mm -hmm. the damage. So what happened was we had a, a, a water pipe break in one of our staged model homes. It happened on the third floor and it happened late at night and a neighbor saw it. I don't know if he saw it actually blow, but he saw the repercussions, which is basically water pissing out everywhere. And so he started videoing it and taking photos and posting it on social media instead of reading the number and saying, hey, guys, you know, you might want to head over. So wait, there, were, they, there was no phone call to like the, sub, to the subdivision or the builder or anything, just straight to social media. He'd taken on this cloak of being sort of the neighborhood vigilante and I'm going to buyer beware and you shouldn't go to this project because they have leaks. And he sort of branded himself a savior of sorts and... It was quite odd because then it also begs the question, oh, well, what kind of neighbor had we be, been up to that point? Did we piss them off? Uh, no, we thought we knew all our neighbors. We'd had pleasant conversations. We'd done sort of different interactions. And it started blowing up um, on a Friday morning on Instagram. And then he went to Facebook and then he was using hashtags and then he was making up accounts. And because, as you know, you work in marketing, Kelly, you can delete a comment, but if they see you've deleted it, that's just pouring gasoline Absolutely. on a fire. Yeah, like, it's rather, you'd rather just... And, of course, he didn't use his real name, so you couldn't reach out to someone and just say, hey, stop being a dick, can we yeah, have a conversation? Just cake. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, in the nicest way. Or help me understand what's going on here. Is it pouring into your backyard or is it... Because often you, you find that people are anger when they're not heard, you know, they're sidelined. But in this case, he just felt like he discovered something and he was going to let the world know it was more of a, almost a warp fame game thing. How did you solve it? By uh, walking over and having a conversation. Mm. I just said, listen, I'm just going to go and, and have a chat. And I've got a funny accent and I'm older, you know, that he's not going to come at me with a crowbar. Yeah, there's not going to be a fight, you know. Yeah, yeah. maybe if mm -hmm. I take a kid either side and a dog for good measure. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> no, I literally just walked in and, and um, I worked out where he'd taken the photo from the angle there and just said, Let, you know, let's have a have a conversation and it was very like uh sherlock holmes of you like looking at the anger <laughs> like it's taken from this house over here and i'll go knock on that door and be like hi i see you 
I see you have your cell phone in your hand. Hashtag, you're posting. <laughs> well, we were thinking, is it is it the security guard? Is it like is it one of the contractors? Because it was so early in the morning. Like, you might you're literally doing forensics on the fly. Angle, angle, what's behind? It was very CSI. And then at the end, it was just, you know, Mary Poppins. It's like, hello, let's have a cup of tea and just <laughs> let's get this sorted. It's like, really? When you, and, say, when you say it in American accent, you're like, stop being a dick. It doesn't sound very good. But when you're like, stop being a dick, please. It's so much nicer, right? <laughs> get out from under the bridge, you little troll. And often, it, you know, you find when they're actually forced with being a human and getting out from behind that laptop, you know, you really realize they're just yeah they have to face the, the fact that there there's real people and real homes here it's not a joke guys consequently i said do you realize by the time in, in those six hours if you'd called us you know you could have saved the water went right through destroyed the entire staging but on the other side i literally had um not long been working in this space and was trying to convince them of the need for having because they're saying we don't need peer we don't need crisis peer and then that oh. happened covid happened the riots happened on our street it was like what yes. that, that came across right it was like yes you do need someone who has your voice and your who's got your back but the flip side is you know, you've been doing this work for two years and now you finally launched your mm-hmm. own thing officially. But what has been your best day in real estate? It makes you feel like, hell yes, I'm happy to be here. This is where I'm supposed to be doing. So I would say, again, to that point where a client said, you know, we don't need socials monitor. We'll put it up there, but it'll just be a placeholder. Our very first sale came through Instagram. She was a looky loot, you know, it was that uh, first discussion about, tell me more about the project. And again, I'm not a realtor. I don't discuss pricing. Um, we talked about the neighborhood. We talked about where I sent my kids to school. We talked about why I live nearby. Any sort of color and insight um, into the community. I said, you know, do you want to ha- meet over there and have a look through? And so that's when I um, handballed her onto the sexy sales team and she was our first buyer i love instagram i think instagram is so incredibly powerful i think it's trumped over facebook in terms of its ability to show and sell but what do you think about that particular transaction was so powerful that for that person to have seen what they liked and then reached out to you do you think it's the the accessibility of sending you a dm do you think it was the ability that you had the tool just lays out so many visuals so clearly for people to engage with what do you think was about that situation that enticed her and then motivated her to reach out well interestingly the she was not a demographic you would think would have come from instagram so she wasn't a digital native she was in her early 50s i think that we to answer that i think we met her where she lives on that she'd actually seen the project she'd driven by it but how she verified it she went to the different touch points she went to our website she went to our facebook but she communicated she reached out through instagram yeah, it's still um, interesting to see that what you're... Because I certainly, I'm a texter or I'll use Facebook Messenger or a big emailer, mm-hmm. but I don't tend to chat on Instagram. I don't know. I think it's maybe because our work is so visual and it's you're, you're scrolling through and you're going, oh, that looks great. And then while you're there, you have the ability to message. So then you just 
you know, start a conversation and you stay within that stream. Right. I just learned a new term, digital native. Uh-huh. I'm thinking that that refers to somebody like my son, who's 15, who has had more digital conversations than in-person conversations in his life. Mm-hmm. And that's, and so this woman that was like in her mid fifties, this was not like, she started off on like, you know, phones and analog. Uh, like, you know, the first album I ever bought was an LP. The first album he ever <laughs> bought was an MP3. So it's like that digital native. I love it. We're using it. My uh, sister-in-law, she called my husband the other day and she said, I, I, I don't like Mark Zuckerberg. I'm no longer going to use Facebook. I'm, I'm only using Instagram for now on. And we're like, you know, That's Instagram's owned by Facebook, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it to you, but... But 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. And yeah. they just see it as really outdated. And and they Facebook, are, yeah, they, they're sure. actually aghast at how much we share on Facebook. So we think they're, you know, always on their phones and oversharing but it's actually the opposite we give up so much more intel for mr zuckerberg to mine and exploit and sell than they ever do Um, they think that the stuff we share is too personal yeah even down to photos and you know protocols of not sharing unless you ask permission and all that but i just see them they communicate on there but it's uh usually through snapchat and then their tiktok is for where they're having fun but that's ephemeral it's just it's gone it's not polished it's not in it again it's it's sort of super superficial fun stuff but it could turn into that because in the beginning that's what instagram was true it was basically like zuckerberg and facebook got a hold of instagram and totally optimized it for business look everyone's really horny for um data-driven analytics now they're all about that you know that's the only kind of porn i look at (laughs) (laughs) but you've got to have the insights to go with it you've got to have the content first but you've got to then have the insights and then at the end of the day, I think you've got to remember that's all third-party platforms you're building your business on. The big takeaway I'd say to anyone listening to this is build your newsletter list. Build that first-party you know, proprietary mm-hmm. stuff, those drip camps. Their email is absolute king. And look, um, I don't know if you're across this or care, but you know, Google announced that they're going to be blocking cookies, third-party cookies on Chrome browser within the next two years. So all that ad retargeting, data collection, the privacy concerns. So the more you create your community, your own community, your own content, talk to your own people and get to know them. Building that is critical. Uh, Yes, we do the paid search, the paid, all that, but treat yourself like a weekly magazine and just, you know, pop something out every, every other week, every month. I know, and talk to them yourself. Shelly Ann Couch is the founder of Plum Bob Marketing based in Los Angeles, California. Shelly Ann, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you for letting me play. Oh my gosh, Justin, Shellyanne is amazing. She really is, man. What a kick in the pants. She is so funny. She is hilarious, and um, I love that she's like becoming our tribe in LA. If our if our LA tribe ends up looking like Shellyanne, I'll be one happy camper. I'm totally yeah. down with that. Absolutely. So something that's really fascinating about you know, I love talking to her. We haven't had anyone on the show talking about really trying to move multiple units, and we have come across this. And we, of course, will stage model units, but our premier program, the one that people really come to us for most often, is our guaranteed home staging program, which is about using our pay at close option and people don't pay us if it doesn't sell. We built this program. This was your brainchild because we, we want to talk the talk and walk the walk in that we are going to sell your house fast. 
We're going to sell your house fast for as much money as possible. Well, if we stage a model unit and the point of it is to sit there for a while, then that obviously doesn't work out for anybody. So we kind of, you guys came up with this whole workaround. So why don't, why don't you talk about how we do kind of logistically work around that issue of the model home and how we stage it? So I think our, our third guaranteed project was a model home and it was set up to sell six units and we negotiated it was going to be one and a half percent to sell this three hundred thousand dollar house and we staged it and it sat there for 18 months and it was priced fifty thousand dollars higher than any of the other six units even though they were all exactly the same so of course all six units sold and then finally our last one our little our little guaranteed project the last one sold and we went in we destaged it and its sale failed the next day which meant no. that we went back in and restaged it. You're it went kidding. pending again. I'm not kidding. It went pending again. We destaged it and it sale failed again. So no. we staged that house three times. We had six successful sales and we got paid one and a half percent of three hundred thousand dollars. The real estate agent got a commission off of all six of those projects. Yeah. We got commission off okay. of one. And I was like, oh, fuck no, we are never doing this again. Mm-hmm. And so we said, you know, if you're doing a model unit, we don't do guaranteed because you're going to sell a whole bunch of units off of our one unit. And that's not fair to us that you really don't get paid for all of those units. So right. we decided, well, okay, well, we're going to just create a model unit program. And so with the model unit program, you pay for the first month and then each additional month after that, you can do four months in advance, you get 20% off. Um, But what we do is we slide because inevitably when you have a model unit, the one that sells the fastest, if it's not priced $50,000 higher than all the rest of them, the one that sells the fastest is the one that's staged. And so we will go in and just keep the same contract and move move the furnishings from one house to the next for a flat fee of $1,500, just goes to the next house, goes to the next house, goes. And every time it changes, whether you're going from a two bedroom to a three bedroom, back down to a one bedroom to a four bedroom, we'll alter that and restage it for the for that new model unit every single time for a flat fee of 1500 bucks plus the rentals that are ongoing. Cool. And so we've created this system. And I think at this point, we have probably like 20 model units that have been sliding between different units for the last like four years. <laughs> this furniture wow. has like never been back to our warehouse. It just goes from one place to the next. And it works great for our builders because they get a fresh new model unit all the time and they can sell those model units and people love them like a lot of traditional model units they would go in they would paint the walls all fancy and they would do wallpaper and they do all these upgrades and they make it like you know 10 times better than what you were actually going to buy and what would happen is that you'd go and you'd be like well i want the fucking i want the fancy model unit and then you're like no 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 you get this you know stripped down basic bitch version that that's what you're gonna buy and people are like i don't like that at all what's great about the sliding model is that what you see is what you get like we don't paint any walls we just decorate the house in a white state and we put our furniture inside of it and all that comes out is just our furniture. That's the exact house you're getting. It's not something that's like a lot nicer than the house you're gonna get. It is the house you're gonna get. And so we find that those things just, they fly off the market. That's our goal anyway with our aspirational obtainable philosophy 
which is this is what you're getting and this is very much what you can have. We don't want people to walk into our stage properties and think, oh, this is actually better than I could do myself. Right, you should walk in and be like, I can do this and it's really pretty. Right, yes. and, it's, and it's still inspiring. It's it's relatable, relatable inspiration, I think is really yeah. what aspira aspirational obtainable means. When was the last time you were in a model unit for like a suburban home? and like oh, a big development. I've probably been in a model unit like two or three times in my life and I'm almost positive all three experiences were awful. Okay, so the next time you go to one, I've got a friend, uh, like I was I was in one a couple of years ago. I got a friend who was buying a house outside of San Francisco and I was touring model homes with her and she was really into like, she really wanted a new house. So we're looking at all these model homes. The funniest thing is I noticed is that every single model home, the door is missing from the bathroom. And they do it for two reasons. And they do it knowing that it's gonna be missing because they design these houses so these doors are in the stupidest place. Like a lot of times they'll swing into the toilet or right into the sink. And <laughs> what they do is they take the door to the bathroom down for two reasons. Number one, it makes the bathroom seem a lot more usable and a lot more, a lot bigger. Number two, it stops people from using the bathroom and right. like dropping a deuce during the middle of an open house. Hilarious. And because if you can't close the door, you won't use the bathroom, right? And they don't want to just turn off the water because if somebody can close the door, they'll use that toilet and then it can't flush and then you're even more screwed. So they just take the doors off the bathrooms. And I had never noticed it before. Like you'd think you'd, you'd notice a missing door, right? Never noticed. And it happens all the times. In those traditional model homes, those bathroom doors are missing. By the way, in our slides, we always make sure the bathroom doors are in place because we want people to feel really comfortable in their houses. And in fact, if you feel comfortable enough to come into one of our houses and drop a deuce, you're probably gonna buy it. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> clearly, clearly, you already feel right at home. That's oh, the best. I think that's the best outro we've had. We should just real just stop it. Right just there. right there. Drop a deuce. Yeah. <laughs> drop a deuce. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just want to say thank you for all the folks that have reached out to tell us your stories. If you have a story you want to tell, please reach out. Find us. We're at spade-archer.com. Click on the podcast link. It's called Behind the Yard Sign. Our special guest this week was Shelly Ann Couch of Plum Bob Marketing. Our music is produced and written by Joff Metz. You can find him at fivestarguitars.com with an S. Um, Kelly Ann, it's always been such a pleasure hanging out with you. Happy 10th podcast, Justin. It's been a ride. <laughs> See you next time. This production of Behind the Yard Sign is brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.